welcome, welcome to the Sharp 600 brought to you by Covers.com. My name is Joe Fortenball. This is episode 125 of the podcast, our first NFL Week-specific episode. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for joining us today. It is greatly appreciated. Now, here is the structure of the show. In just a few moments, we are going to go to Las Vegas and bring on my man Ace Corrales to talk about week one. Ace is also going to give you some valuable insight into how the market works. For those of you who may be new to the sports betting industry, Ace has been around for a very long time, and eventually he and I are going to do a pod that tells his life story because I think there's a lot to it. But for right now, he's going to take you behind the curtains and introduce you to some of how the professionals handle their business. Then we'll get into some picks, and then I will release my picks for week one at the end of the episode. But I want to begin today's episode with a six-point teaser. For those who don't know how six-point teasers work, very simple. Take two teams, and you need to win both of them, and you get six points to influence each point spread however you want. Now, you can do it with sides or totals, but for example... Take a look at Minnesota-San Francisco. Minnesota is a a 6.5-point favorite. You could use your 6 points to tease Minnesota down, and you would only need to cover Minnesota minus a half. But, and here's the kicker, you need to put another game in there and use 6 points as well. So, for example, maybe you could use the Green Bay Packers and tease the Packers from 7 points down to 1. That's a six-point teaser. Now, for those of you who want more on that, we did an episode on this last year, episode 41. Believe it or not, Ace was on that episode as well, as was Jason Symbol from CG Technologies. They laid out the pros and cons of teaser plays. Go listen to episode 41, get your knowledge, and then come on back here. The reason being, I was speaking to some of the pros in Vegas this week, and I wanted to pass along in the opening segment a six-point teaser that is very popular. And it does involve Minnesota as one half of the bet and Baltimore as the other half. So I've talked to a few pros. They're making this six-point teaser play this weekend. They're teasing Minnesota from six and a half down to a half. So Minnesota needs to win by one for that half to be successful. And then they're taking the Baltimore Ravens against the Buffalo Bills. Not a lot of faith in Nathan Peterman and the Buffalo Bills this weekend. Now, this was originally teased from six and a half down to a half as well. But the spread's on the rise. I still like it. I'm going to tease Baltimore from 7.5 down to 1.5. So in order for us to win this teaser play, Baltimore needs to beat Buffalo by 2 points, and Minnesota needs to beat San Francisco by 1 point. So there you go. Your opening segment. Go check out episode 41. Learn more about teasers if you haven't already been introduced to all that. And then we're going to fire this weekend on a 6-point teaser involving the Baltimore Ravens and the Minnesota Vikings. Ace Corrales in just a moment, but a reminder, if you haven't done so already, download the app BetQL. It is the app to outsmart Vegas. Powerful analytics for sports betting. Get access to real-time line movement, value bets of the day, and meaningful team trends. This is just another tool to add to your arsenal to become a more well-rounded sports better. Go to the App Store. If you're working with an iPhone, download BetQL. If you're on a Droid, go to Google Play. And if you want to learn more about the website, or the app, go to the website, betql.co. Not .com, it's betql.co. I feel so unsatisfied. 
to the Las Vegas desert we go. A friend of mine going way back to my time when I first landed in Vegas in 2011. Pro sports better and handicapper. You've seen him on ESPN, Fox, New York Times. He's everywhere. You can check him out on Twitter at Greek underscore gambler. Ace Corrales making his return to the Sharp 600. What's up, buddy? How are you? Never better, man. Thanks for having me. Excited. You know, this is the best time of the year to be out here in Vegas. I've been here now 20, 21 years, Joe, and I honestly still get excited for the NFL season. Even though, as far as profit goes, there's other sports that are easier to beat um, than the NFL. It's still nothing gets you as hyped as NFL football does. So for me, this is as good as it gets. Well, and let's be honest, it doesn't hurt that for the first time ever, uh, our boys from Philadelphia start the season as the defending champions. Indeed they did. <laughs> Indeed they did. And and beat that, that line move yesterday, man. I mean, you saw that. That was a significant line move um, for an opening day game. I get it based on the, the Wentz, the full situation, but uh, – yeah, that kind of move. There was a lot of sharp money and a, and a lot of even public money on the Atlanta side, and Philly got it done again, man. Somehow, some way, whether they win in the box score or not, they just find a way to get it done, and that's what matters at the end of the day. You know, as you're watching those line moves, how do you determine you know what's real and what isn't? Sometimes there are moves that you've talked about before that are setups. Sometimes people refer to it as fake steam or, or, or movements that you can't buy into, and then other times, like last night, it very much felt like that movement was being dictated by sharp money. Is there a way to read into that? Yeah, it was legit. And and I make it no secret. I mean, that that's what I've done, especially over the last um, three or four years. I really got back into where my job pretty much is I provide betting accounts for different groups that win at different sports. And that gives me the green light to be able to look into these accounts and see what actual guys that win long-term groups that are behind these line moves are betting. Um, and I was just talking about that yesterday with Gil. I would love to put a camera behind me while I'm looking at these accounts. Now I up to over 100 of them um, just so you can see how they're betting both sides of games, the same group, how they're, they're moving the line on screen. And what I mean by that is they keep certain accounts that are on-screen accounts, those books that you see on those line screens, and one week they'll say we're going to use those just to dummy the, the market. And early in the week when the limits are lower, you'll see them start firing into those accounts that are on-screen books to get the line moving in the direction that they want. And then about 10, 15 minutes prior to game time, you know, five days later, I'll get the instant message of a buy order on the opposite team now all of a sudden at one and a half, two points better, where they're unloading, you know, getting down 10, 20x what it took them to get that line to move in that direction. And there is more market manipulation in today's game than ever before. you got to remember, I broke into it. Um, you know, when I first came out here, it was the Stardust was the, the – 
capital of sports betting. They brought out the first line before offshore, before everything else. It didn't go on like that, like it does now. And it isn't even about concealment. A lot of people think that these betting syndicates, they want to conceal their, their bets, and that's why they're doing it. And that's not the case. In fact, nothing could be further from the truth. Because once they get down, they really don't care, as the whole world knows. They got their money down. They got the ticket at the number they want in their pocket. So they don't care if everyone piggybacks it at a worse number. That's, they have, if anything, they want that to happen. If the line moves so significantly now in their direction, they'll come back and bet the other side for a little bit just because they've opened themselves up with a beautiful middle now that we, the piggybackers, did for them. So it isn't for concealment. It's because they have such a problem getting down money. I mean, I can tell you because I have – how I work is I have agents who get me accounts, and within you know a couple within a couple weeks they're dropping you. Some within a couple hours once they see the plays <laughs> that go in there, they it has nothing to do with winning or losing. You know, there's guys that I swear to you, dude, that have I put in four plays and. They shut it down right away, and that night they went 0-4. And it's, it's like I say with blackjack when you're labeled an advantage player. They don't know if you're going to come in and win that session or that trip that weekend. They just know you're going to beat them long term, so they'd rather not even deal with you. And it, it's the same thing with sports betting. You know, these guys, they, they're going to win long term. I mean, the, the, that's the bottom line, and the books know that. And they most don't want to deal with it. So the biggest problem we have these days is actually getting down um, because of the fact books don't want the sharp action and everyone's just copying each other's line without ever um, taking a bet. And I'm sorry to be running off on this, but it's just no, so please. important because back in the day, you got to remember, for a, a book to move its line, someone had to go in and bet it. Like, if you were at the Stardust, they open up their line, Team A minus 7, and I, I was labeled a runner there, and I bet Team A minus 7. The Stardust moved it to 7.5. I'm allowed to bet it again. If I did, they moved it to 8. Now, if I went across the street, 9 out of 10 times, they still had 7 up on their board, unless there was another runner working for our group or another group that was on that same play. So they would have to book a bet in order to move that number. That's not the case anymore. Now, without having taken a single penny, they'll simply look at the line on their screen and see, oh, Pinnacle's moved it a point on their total or a half a point on their line. And they're going to just copy that number without taking a bet. And that makes it harder to get down hot plays, you know, to get real steam down. And to get to your question not to go around it. How do you determine it? Honestly, it's so difficult. And the reason I say that is because so many times, Joe, I, I look on Twitter or read something on a Monday and I'll, I'll see, a, you know, competent people writing about, oh, the Sharps got it wrong on this game or all the steams on that side. And I'm looking and I said, nothing could be further from the truth. Like, because then again, I don't know more than other people. I'm just simply in the position where that's what I do. I provide betting accounts for these people that are actually making these plays. So I can tell you what they're on. And when I see it, that people just draw conclusions because based on a line move, that that's automatically the, the steam side. Um, it's just not the case. You've got to be very careful. The one thing you can be sure of is that the late stuff, the stuff that goes in, um, you know, 
game day and leading up the kickoff, those are the most legit moves unless earlier in the week they – they kind of are working the middle. Unless they're working the middle or scalping a game, those late ones um, are legit. And also in baseball, if they bet chalk, heavier chalk, rest assured it's legit because you can scalp low money lines, but you can't scalp those, you know, if they're laying a minus 220 and it's a 40-cent line, it's just unscalpable. So when you see moves like that, those you could confirm, they're legit. They're not setting anything up, and it's not guaranteed it's going to win, but at least you know you're on the hot side. Now, if you took the worst number, that's a different story, but if you could get down at a good number, you know you're, you're on the same side as these guys that win long term. To back up what you're saying, and then I'll ask you um, some questions about games in just a second, but I remember what I, of all the times I've, I've had the pleasure of hanging out with you, I think my favorite was that night at the Cosmo when we were bullshitting in that VIP lounge and that dude Phil overheard you talking about being an advantage blackjack player. And essentially he called BS on it. You're like, no, I'm not, I'm not lying. I'm just not allowed to play here. So he calls you on it. For, so for some reason we go down to the floor and we all hang over by the slots, and you sit down, and you cash in for like 200 bucks, and you're playing 20 bucks a hand, and we couldn't even finish the cigarette before someone came over and was like, sorry, sir, you're uh, too good for us. You can't play here. And it, it's crazy. It's, I, I did at the minute. You weren't even winning, Ace. No, and that's happened at Mandalay Bay two weeks ago when everyone was in town for that um super contest thing, and I went with Giant Detroit and all Then we put a video on Twitter because he videotaped this, it go down. And my intentions weren't even play any kind of advantage. I was just hanging out, having a drink, wanting to play some blackjack. And it just, from eight years, once they put you in the system and label you an advantage player, that's it. And it's the same kind of thing with sports. They just come to the conclusion that, you know what, this guy has an edge on us, even though he may lose today, lose tomorrow, lose the next day, long-term, you know, you're going to win if you have an edge. There's nothing they could do. You're mathematical certainty to turn a profit. And like I say, some of the most profitable years these groups that I bet for ever had, they went through cold streaks that would break 9 out of 10 recreational players. And that's why I say, and I hate seeing it, and it's not a knock on casual bettors, but you could give them winning information, and if you don't bet it right, um, it, it's not going to help you. Let, until you learn how to bet and manage your bankroll, the picks become irrelevant. And I say that I'm the perfect example of that, because when I broke into this game, it was before the Internet. And the information and the guys we were moving for back when I was in Philly, they were getting the sharpest stuff, and we were betting into the weakest lines. And yet, I found a way to lose my bankroll multiple times, because I was a 20-year-old kid that thought this is so easy we're never going to lose and and you're betting more than your bankroll could afford so it it becomes it comes down to people focus so much on winning picks and and being on the right side and there's not enough talk and not enough focus because now with sports betting becoming mainstream and you're seeing so much sports betting content out there and i know i'm here to talk about week one nfl but i i can't stress this enough to the people that are listening until you master how to wager winning picks become aren't even don't even waste your time with it because it just becomes a matter of time before that short term random 
losing streak, which is a mathematical certainty, happens. And unless you're able to survive that and overcome it, like the betting syndicates are, because they have unlimited bankroll, um, you're not going to turn a profit. And if you're doing it for entertainment, it's a different story. But if you're actually doing it to make money and putting your hard-earned money on the line, at the very least, think it through and, and, and approach it the right way, bet size-wise, before you even get into handicapping and trying to pick the right side. Good stuff. Now, as we transition into the Week 1 card, let's start with Cleveland and Pittsburgh. The line opens with Pittsburgh anywhere as a 6-point favorite, 5.5-point favorite. We've seen this thing knocked down to 4. Now, a lot of people will tell you that that's because of the Le'Veon Bell news that he has yet to report. But this thing's been on the move since prior to that. A lot of people are making the case that this is the year the Browns finally break out. Should I be buying into the Browns? You know, at 6.5, and, and if you could have bought, you know, got – found some rogue sevens out there, I think that was the right side. I think there was value there. Now that, that it's down to as low as four, because I was leaning Browns as well, it's just not enough value for me to take Cleveland. And, and you got to remember, we always bring this up when it's playoff time, that all you have to do is pick the winner and you'll cash a ticket. Don't even focus on, on the point spread. You know, in the, uh, I believe it's when you look at the first round, the wild card round, if you just pick the winner 88% of the time they cover the spread. In the conference finals, it's 86%. And average in the playoffs, it's around 83%. Just pick the winner and you'll cash a ticket. And it, it, believe it or not, if you look at its sample size of 5,000 plus NFL games, it's around that 80, 83% for the regular season as well. You know, it's just pick the winner and they're going to, and more times than not, eight, eight out of 10 times they cover the spread. You know, we, we talk about the number being so important. Important, but in the NFL, that that's just a fact. That's not my opinion. So now that it where it is at that number, I just don't think there's enough value to take that Cleveland side. But I'm not confident to lay points with uh, Pittsburgh on the on the road either. What I bet have already taken a position on it, given it out, um, is the under. I bet the under at 45. It's now down to 43 and a half. Where Granted, you know, a lot of the value has been extracted, but you can still make that bet and get value, hit the first half. Um, there's still 22 and a halves out there. I just saw at Penny, you've got to pay some juice, but there's some 22s. That's going to go to 21 in the first half. That much I could assure you, because that's a buy order that I saw this as this morning. After they already got down on the under for the game and it moved the way it did, I guess they liked the under again even more, but all of a sudden there were 44s up there yesterday, and instead of going under 44, most of them what they did was bet the first half under. That's why you're going to start seeing that under in the first half go down, and I think that's the right side. I think this is going to be a low-scoring game between these two teams, Um, and I liked it. I loved it at 45, don't love it as much at 43, but I do like that. I think the first half under still has a ton of value, and for me, that's that's the side in that game. Since he was plus three on the road at Indianapolis, Andrew Luck back under center. That has since been knocked down to plus two and a half. Now, obviously, that is a very significant move with three being such a key number, but I get the feeling the wrong team is favored here. I, I, it's, I don't love Cincinnati this season, but I think the Colts are a mess, especially on the offensive and defensive lines. Do you agree with the move? Do you like the Bengals here? Joe, I, I could not agree with you more. Um, I like the Cincinnati side. I actually like the Cincy side uh, before 
any of the, the betting syndicates got down on it. Um, they took the plus three on the Cincinnati Bengals side. They also bet the over in that game. Um, they went over 46-and-a-half and over 47. That's why you're seeing 48 in that game right now. Um, I don't have a, a personal opinion on the total. I agree with it, but, you know, I, it wasn't one that I loved. But after I saw them bet it and started looking at the game, I said that makes sense. Uh, but I like the Cincinnati side already myself, and that just confirmed it for me that, they, you know, they took the three. I agree with you. And, and all the talk about how great Andrew Luck has looked is why I think we aren't getting this value, and I get it. It's a different situation than last year, but Cincinnati was an 11-point favorite against them last year. They barely won that game by a point or something like that. I think uh, Indianapolis is going to get their undivided attention this week, and I like Cincinnati as well. It's the public side, you know, and it's scary to be on the side when you know like 7 out of 10 recreational bettors are on it as well, but I think this is just one where the bookmakers got it wrong with the number, and I, I, I'm as with you that the wrong team is, is favored. I thought it should have been a pick and the Sharps would have bet Cincy up to minus one, one and a half, and then you may get some public money on a home dog. But I think they just opened it up wrong. So the, the, the wise guy side, and it's legit, is on the Cincy and over. And personally, I agree with the Cincy side and, and what you said. All right, another one that I like, and the Joey Bosa news is alarming, but I like the Chargers this week for a couple of reasons. First and foremost, Patrick Mahomes is going to be a solid quarterback in the National Football League, but this is a road start against a tough defense, and he is far more turnover-prone than Alex Smith was when he was quarterback in Kansas City. But more importantly, and I think more underlooked, is the fact that the Kansas City secondary, now that Marcus Peters is gone, is highly suspect in my opinion. I think Phillip Rivers can eat these guys alive. And then third, and this is something you'll remember, Andy Reid has a history of these letdowns in week one. I remember so many years with the Eagles where where he should have hammered the opposition and his teams came out sloppy. How do you feel about Chargers Chiefs? Not a game I bet in the accounts. I can tell you um, the over got bet. Um, I don't know if that's – I can't confirm whether that's a legit move. It didn't get all that much respect. It was 47.5. Now it's up to 48. But it could be because some, maybe there's some, they had some public exposure on the under. The fact that they went from three to three and a half is very significant. We all know how key of a number three really is. Um, so for me, that was a telling sign right there that – it, they, the Chargers have attracted some sharp money. And more importantly, most recreational bettors aren't locking in their NFL bets. This I know it's only you know two days away, but most want to see how they're going to do on Saturday before they start betting Sunday. Um, so I don't think it was public money that, that moved that from three to three and a half. None of the groups I give accounts for are behind that move, uh, but it looks like it's a legit move to me, and I agree with you. I think the Chargers are, are a team that's pretty loaded um, this year, and especially at the wide receiver position. You know, they, they got some skill position players there, and I agree with you with Mahomes, too. Um, the problem with Kansas City is I don't think they have a very good defense, and that's why I think you see in this total, uh, you know, get bet up over um, 
from the, the like I said, a couple of the groups that went over to 47 and a half on KC and LA. And I, I think it's got LA and overwritten all over it. I agree with you there. Again, not a game that I bet, uh, but I don't disagree with you in the least. Sunday night football, Chicago travels to Green Bay. Now, the Bears have had a hell of a time trying to get past, past the Packers in recent years. They've only covered 10 of their last 36 against Green Bay, but Khalil Mack is now in the fold. Vic Fangio is one of the league's better defensive coordinators. People are excited about Chicago and we've seen this thing bet down to as low as Green Bay minus seven meaning the value's probably gone if you can't get the hook but what do you make of this with the Packers everyone from a recreational standpoint generally looks at Aaron Rodgers and thinks the guy's a stud he is but I don't think he's surrounded with enough talent I I could not agree with you more The, the thing about Green Bay is you know the health of Aaron Rodgers obviously that's been their Achilles heel the last few seasons the collarbone and early in the season, probably at his best form. Um, With that said, I like Chicago in this spot. Um, I get it. Green Bay drafted well. They're improved secondary, got in a new defensive coordinator. Uh, But I think this is going to be kind of Mac versus Rodgers type setting. Um, And I think there's some excitement there in Chicago. And again, like you touched on, the history for them isn't great. Um, as far as Green Bay's concerned, but I think they're very live here. And what you touched on as far as this was eight and a half, seven and a half was a great number, um, seven now. I think if you wait till Sunday, if you agree with both myself and you who like the Chicago side, and I think you should kind of wait till Sunday. And here's why. Uh, Every bookmaker, 9 out of 10, are going to tell you that their week gets determined by the outcome of Sunday night football and Monday night football. Because of the fact betters that are behind look to catch up, betters that are ahead look to double up. And those games attract the most money and usually have them the most exposed. And the result of Sunday night football and Monday night football ends up determining their week more times than not. Now, with the Green Bay game, the reason I think they brought it up to 8.5 and hoping I'm surprised they didn't bring up at nine is because I think they needed to defend themselves against the teasers. There's going to be so many teasers that are closed with Green Bay just having more or less to win the game at home. And the fact that this line now went down instead of up is a telling sign. And for me, this is another one that already got bet into the account, again, at a better number than what it's sitting at right now. But I've got no problem waiting to get that seven and a half on on Sunday um, if I couldn't grab it now. And even at worst-case scenario, I think you'd get seven at even money, which is a good bet as well. And I wouldn't be surprised if sprinkle a little bit on the money line and, and, and Chicago shows up there and spoils the teaser party for a lot. I like Chicago in that game. I, I agree with you 100% there. I think they're the live side and catching a ton of points. All right, Monday night doubleheader. You've got a rookie head coach in Matt Patricia of the Lions and a rookie quarterback in Sam Darnold of the Jets in the first half of the doubleheader. I don't have any lean in that game, but the second half, Rams-Oakland, I'm looking at the under here. I think with a new playbook in Oakland, courtesy of John Gruden, coupled with the improved secondary and defensive line of the Rams under Wade Phillips, it's going to be tough for Oakland to score. And I think with the Rams not participating at all during the preseason, they might be a little rusty. They're dealing with crowd noise. They're going to want to run girly. I've been thinking about the under for like a month on that game. 
Um, that's it for me for Monday night right now. Do you see anything on the Jet Lion game or anything different on the uh, Raider Ram game? As far as the Jet Lion, where the the sharp money, the betting syndicates, here's what they did: um, both sides, throwing both sides. Um, a, a Detroit minus six and a half. Anytime it went to seven, another group grabbed the Jets plus seven. So there's a disagreement there, obviously, um, and we're seeing the total slowly start to creep up. I like the Detroit side. It disagrees with a, a, a group that's very good in the NFL. They had a very good preseason, very good last season. They're the guys that took the Jets plus seven. That's the only thing that scares me. Otherwise, I, I like Detroit as well. I, I tend to like the under also, which kind of is scary when you take a six-and-a-half-point favorite um, for it to go under, especially 44-45 where it is now. But I don't think the Jets are going to do much scoring in this game. I really don't. Um, and I know Detroit's one of those teams that have been inconsistent. Uh, but I like them here in this spot. Again, the Jets and Darnold doesn't have enough people, man. As good as this kid's probably going to be, um, I just don't think he's got enough around him. When you have one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL, that's going to be a problem. Rams and Oakland has not been touched by anyone that I provide um, accounts for. And yet that Rams line went from two and a half to four. Obviously, sharp money, somebody bet it for it to move like that. Books are going to have a ton of exposure on the Rams. Where I think there's some value in this game is Oakland first half. You're getting a field goal in Oakland first half. And here's why I like it. This is my, my own opinion. Is if you you know, all the talk is none of the starters played. No offensive starter played for the Rams. And I think the defensive starters played seven ser- seven plays, seven series, something along those lines. I don't have my notes in front of me. So they didn't get much play at all in the preseason. Now, they may have a great season and other coaches start following that. But it's kind of like, you know, I'm a big fan of boxing and MMA. And there's two, it's two totally different things between doing it in practice and doing it in the cage the night of a fight. And for me, I think it may take, as professional as these teams are, may take a little bit of time um, for them to catch up to that game speed. So I think Oakland plus three first half offers a lot of value. Uh, my first opinion, and again, I, I just tell you what, what I think, and the line's going in your direction for Monday Night Football, that's very significant because the total opened 49 and a half, and I'm seeing as low as 48 and a half offshore. And usually the totals for those primetime games are shaded towards the over based on the fact that's usually what the recreational betters are on, and that money trumps sharp money when it comes to the NFL and college football. So the under's getting some respect, but my initial feeling was over in this game, so I haven't bet it, but I haven't touched it. Um, But you made a very good point, and I'll probably just end up sitting on the sidelines and cheering in your ticket. But the one I'm looking to bet is that Rams first half. I mean, excuse me, Oakland first half at plus three. I haven't done it yet, but that's definitely a a side that I'm looking into right now strongly. And you could even get it at minus 105 and even money in some spots in Vegas. Final question for you. Is there any game we haven't touched on that you might be keeping a close eye on? Houston and New New England. I mean, listen, New England's one of them teams, man, that – all you had to do, you could have done nothing, nothing. You could have slept till noon, Joe, got up, and just bet New England 
since the Brady-Belichick era, and you would have done better than, than 90% of betting syndicates do long-term. I mean, I, what is it? I believe it's 60 63%. Against the spread, I, 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 most I'd cut my pinky off with a butter knife to go sixty three percent over fifteen years. You know what I mean? And then somehow that's all you had to do. Didn't have to handicap. Didn't have to do anything. Just wake up and bet the Patriots. They've outperformed the betting market for so long. It's so scary to go against them. And in a game where, you know, like we say, just pick the winner, they usually cover the spread. New England's lost nine games at home in nine years. So are they really going to lose this game, or is the spread going to come into play? I have Houston plus seven. Um, I thought there was some value there at plus seven. Now it's down to six. I'm sure New England will get a bunch of uh, teaser bets. I know they've got the best front seven they've had in a long time, but I like Houston healthy at the beginning of the season, Deshaun Watson, I, I think getting all those points this is a big game for Houston at New England. And historically, we've seen New England start off pretty slow. And, and real quickly, Seattle-Denver under the total is a game that I bet already. Um, it's going up. It's going against me. So I got an even better number. Um, I just think you're it, first half under, game under. Uh, I think you're not going to see many points come out of that that matchup with, with Seattle and Denver. And another real quickly, uh, uh, by order came in today, just for your listeners, Dallas Carolina got bet under first half and under game. That's why it's gone from 44 down to 42 where it is right now. I don't have an opinion right that on uh, on that right now, but it's just interesting to see how much they move that line on that total and in the first half. So these guys that, that win long-term really like that one a lot. But for me, it's Houston plus sevens, the interesting game, because here I am saying something I'll never do. I'm like this year, I'm just not going to fade New England at all because so many times the Sharps are on the other side thinking New England's overvalued and yet they've outperformed the betting market forever. So, I mean, you know, almost suicide going against them, but here I am with a plus seven ticket in my pocket. <laughs> All right. Follow him on Twitter at Greek underscore gambler. That is in the bio of this podcast. It is an amazing resource to use on game days because Ace is keeping you up to date on all the stuff that's going on in his world. He's a pro sports better, a handicapper. You've seen him on ESPN, Fox, everywhere. Ace Corrales with us here on the Sharp 600. Love you, buddy. It is always a pleasure talking with you. I always have a blast listening to you. Thanks so much for coming on. Love you too, my man. Thanks for having me. It's always an honor. I love listening to your 600 all the time. You got some of the sharpest minds, you know, not patting myself on the shoulder, but you, you <laughs> have some of the best guests, and I've gotten some really good stuff out of listening to your show. The One of the, the – I'm not just, you know, stroking you, but seriously, it's the one that I don't have that much free time, but it's one I always make sure I take those – you know, the time to listen to it every week. Always good stuff. I probably went longer, so you're going to have to rename it the 700. But 7,000. Yeah, yeah. I'm, you know me. I, I get, once I get going, I'm hard. You just got to tell me, slow down, Ace. Shut no, up, no, 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 no. Cut it off. The, the mark of a good host is to let the best material come out. All I need to do is set you up, and I know that if people pay attention, they're going to get all that info. So thank you from the thank bottom you, of brother. my heart, Thanks dude. for having me. Pay that man his money. All right. The moment of truth has arrived. Here come your week one picks. Game number one, Cincinnati plus a field goal at Indianapolis, Saturday, 1 p.m. Eastern. This has been bet down at most places to Cincy plus two and a half 
and for good reason. I like the Bengals to win this game outright. Welcome back, Andrew Luck, who hasn't appeared in an NFL game in damn near two years. And unfortunately for Luck, not much has changed in Indianapolis as he'll still be playing behind a below-average offensive line with a mediocre set of skill players at his disposal. Cincinnati isn't exactly headed for the Super Bowl, but the Bengals have a veteran quarterback in Andy Dalton, a first-class receiver in A.J. Green, and an on-the-rise running back in Joe Mixon. Plus, there's a trend that shows they've covered seven of their last ten spreads on the road. Take the field goal as the Bengals win this game outright. Game number two, Chargers minus three, hosting the Chiefs Sunday, 4.05 p.m. Eastern. Granted, Joey Bosa's foot injury is certainly alarming, but Kansas City is being dramatically overvalued in this spot. Patrick Mahomes is making just his second career start, and it's coming on the road against one of the best defenses in the AFC. But while that's the matchup most will be watching, what you should be focusing on is just how badly Phillip Rivers is going to dissect this Chiefs secondary, which is highly suspect following the trade of Marcus Peters to the Los Angeles. Rams. The Chargers check all the boxes, and no matter who has been at the helm as the head coach, they haven't missed a week one cover in six years. Couple that with the fact that Andy Reid is known for week one letdowns, I'm going to go ahead and lay the field goal with the Chargers. Game number three, how you feeling, Chicago? It's the Bears at the Packers. Chicago plus seven and a half, Sunday night football, 8.20 p.m. Eastern. If you're riding with me on this one, it's got to be at seven and a half or better. You need the hook or better to play the Bears. And I think maybe on Sunday, some Packer money is going to come in late because it's a Sunday night game and the public likes to chase with the favorite. This rivalry has been a disaster for the Bears, who have covered the number just 10 times in their last 36 games against Green Bay. But Vic Fangio's loaded defense, coupled with second-year quarterback Mitchell Trubisky's upgraded arsenal, featuring Allen Robinson and Trey Burton at tight end, makes for enough talent, motivation, and value to take a flyer on a touchdown plus the hook, especially considering the fact that, once again, Green Bay has failed to surround one of the best quarterbacks in NFL history with enough talent to get him over the hump. This is going to be a tight one, so give me the points with the Bears. And finally, game number four, Monday night, the Rams at the Raiders. 10.20 p.m. Eastern is your kick over under sitting at about 49. Play the under. I played it at 49 and a half about a month ago. I like it just as much now that the word is out. Now, the total continues to drop. It might come back up on Monday when the public gets involved because they love to bet overs in primetime spots. But L.A. sat all of its key starters throughout the entire preseason. So don't be surprised if they show some rust early in week one. Secondly, considering how hostile and loud the Coliseum will be for the Raiders' home opener, look for the Rams to establish the running game behind 2017 NFL Offensive Player of the Year Todd Gurley. As for the Raiders, not only are Derek Carr and the company of his offense in the process of learning a new playbook, but they'll be tasked with running the ball against a front four that includes Aaron Donald and Adama Kung Su. And they'll be throwing the ball against a secondary that includes Marcus Peters and Aqib Tlaib. Points will be at a premium on Monday night, so don't be shy about firing on that under. We're going to go under the total of 49. So to recap... Game number one, you are going to play the Bengals plus three over the Colts. Game number two, lay the three with the Chargers over the Chiefs. Game number four, it's the Bears plus seven and a half over the Packers. Game number five, under Rams Raiders 49 on Monday night. And then there's that tease we talked about at the beginning of the show, Baltimore and the Vikings. That's a wrap for us, everybody. Enjoy the festivities this weekend. If you get a chance, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. We're back next week. Be well and best of luck.